people! Welcome once again to the Party of One podcast, the actual play RPG podcast where the gaming table is always set for two. I'm your host as always, Jeff Stormer, and this week on the show, I am joined by Sydney Icarus for a playthrough of their new game, Decaying Orbit. Decaying Orbit is a game about the last memories of the AI of a space station, as it awakens after a long period of unconsciousness to discover its crew missing, things very, very wrong, and also it's floating into a star. Players collectively create the final memories of this space station and its ultimate communication that it sends out to the stars as it slowly plummets into the distant sun of A.B. Pictoris. This game is beautiful. It was breathtaking and meaningful, and Sydney was such an incredible person to play the game with. They clearly have such love and passion for the game. I truly loved playing it, and I really can't wait for you to listen to it. The game is currently on Kickstarter as part of Story Brewer's Little Box Journeys game series, which is a collection of various story games designed to take you different places on different journeys far from your home. It is an incredible collection of games. I think that you should go check it out. Back it, make it a reality because it is a project that looks very, very cool and it's a really fun and interesting way to bring games together across a, a particular theme and Bring a whole bunch of cool and interesting story games to life. You can find more about the Little Box Journeys Kickstarter in the show notes, as well as Decaying Orbit, as well as everything else Sydney's got going on. And with all that said, let's go ahead and throw it over to me in the past so that he can get started with the show. Take it past me. Thanks, future me. This week, I am so, so excited to be sitting down with Sydney Icarus. Sydney, thank you so much for coming on Party of One. No, it's an absolute pleasure to be here, Jeff. Thank you so much. I've, uh, you know, long time listener, first time caller. I am always happy to hear that. It is one of my favorite things to hear from a guest. Uh, so I am, I am excited. I am glad that that is the note that we are starting things off with. Uh, and we've got a really fun game to play today. But before we do that, why don't you take a moment and let our lovely listeners know about what we are playing this week, as well as anything else you've got going on that you might want them to know about. Wonderful. So today, or this week, we are playing uh, Decaying Orbit. Decaying Orbit is a a shared storytelling game about humanity's most distant outpost in space. Uh, it is one of those wonderful AI space station 20 minutes into the future games. Uh, and it's uh, one of, of my own design. Um, and it's coming up uh, to be published by the Story Brewers in uh, April of this year. Uh, in terms of other things I've got going, um, I'm the uh, lead head over at Waxwings Games, waxwingsgames.com. Uh, and through there, I've done a bunch of stuff, um, including some some podcasting myself. I did the Powered by the Apocalypse podcast, The Hard Move, or the second season of that. And I'm currently about to release a bracket figuring out which Dungeons & Dragons uh, monster is the best called The Goodest Baddie. And that will be hitting podcasters soon. Incredible. I am excited. Uh, I am really looking forward to playing Decaying Orbit today. I, I It is uh shockingly weird space stations and and the 20 minutes into the future are extremely my shit and i could not be more excited i'm so glad i i like uh i feel like i wrote this game for myself but there are a lot of people i show it to that are like yes this is exactly my shit and that is that's that's the most satisfying thing when you're when you're really like it like i'm happy with this and therefore like i don't care but also hearing other people also get excited about this thing that is uniquely yours is Mm -hmm. is the best feeling in the world for me uh truly is i'm so glad thank you for sharing that with me of course so uh kick let's go ahead and kick uh kick off our game tell us uh, how we get started Okay, so um, let me set the scene for you. So 100, yeah. 163 light years away, um, 
there is a small star. It's a, it's a K-type star, and its name is AB Pictoris. It burns a true orange um, because it is slightly cooler than our, our home soul. And in orbit around this star is humanity's most distant outpost, a space station, crewed by a handful of professionals and held together by an advanced artificial intelligence. Now, that artificial intelligence is who we're playing. We're not playing the crew individually. We're going to play the AI itself. And that's because we're going to enter the game when the AI re reboots to find that something has gone wrong. And I mean catastrophically wrong. The station's in disarray. The engines are dead. Maybe some of the crew are missing or maybe all of the crew are gone. And with those dead engines, we're no longer able to sustain ourselves in orbit and we are falling slowly into AB Pictoris to inevitably be consumed by it. This game takes place in those moments where we, as an artificial intelligence, rush through our cycles and our processes, go through our security footage and our recordings and try to figure out what went wrong. And perhaps most importantly, what will be left when this station collapses into the star. That's so sick. That's so, that's, um, fuck. All right. We're good. We're done. We got it. All that's right. It. I think Cut we're it. wrapping it. up. Roll yeah. it. Perfect. Easy. Speed run. This is the party of one any percent speed run. And we did it. <laughs> party uh, of one any percent in 253. Uh, I can't, I'm excited if you can't tell. This is, this, this is good. That is a hell of a pitch. Uh, and I am beyond excited. Well, I'm, I'm really glad because I do need your help at this point. Yeah, okay. Which is that I said we're a space station, right? And we're really far out. But the question is like, what kind of space station? And so um, if I can sort of direct you over to the, to the Roll20 where, um, Jeff, you get to see the, these like working draft of the cards at the moment. Um, in they their are gorgeous. Form. I'm, putting, I'm, I'm letting the listeners know that the RZs are absolutely gorgeous. I uh, played this with a bunch of like uh, post-it notes, basically, for the first couple of rounds of of um, testing. And when we got uh, this lovely person called Sariel Snowings to do the art for this, it just it unlocked something. It just escalated this game, and I'm really yeah, stoked yeah, yeah. about it. So we've got three types of ships. The first is the New Eden. Now, the New Eden is a colony ship sent to terraform a new home for the souls on board. Stories aboard the New Eden tend to be about cycles and human yearning. Um, and you can see the picture of the New Eden there with its um, mm -hmm. rotational disks and its tree-like structure. Uh, that's one of our options. Um, Jeff, do you want to read the second one for us? Yeah, we've got the Athena 2. The Athena 2 is a Pike-class warship, deadly and ambitious, sent to fortify this system against unknown threats. Stories on the Athena 2 tend to be conspiratorial and mysterious. Excellent. And um, the Athena 2 has like a predatory owl look mm -hmm. to it. It looks like a, a folded up um, raptor ready to strike. Yeah. Um, and the third one is the Hephaestus. The research station Hephaestus is a science vessel. It is lightly crewed and with an unclear mission. There's going to be an alien sense to everything on board. Stories aboard the Hephaestus tend to be curious and about discoveries large and small. So the two that really jump out to me, the two that I'm really excited about for this game are the New Eden and the Hephaestus. I'm not as I'm not I'm not feeling the Athena too. I'm not feeling going conspiratorial and, and militaristic mm -hmm. at this particular playthrough, but I'm equally drawn to either the Hephaestus or the New Eden. 
I'm going I'm to take this in two runs so that you can cut the one you don't want. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, I ran this with a one-shot podcast recently, and we did the Hephaestus, so I would love to approach the then New Eden. Then let's do the New Eden. Eden. Let's do it. So um, we're going to start drawing cards off this. Now, the, the question okay. is going to be, how big are we going to assemble this deck? So with two of us, um, we want uh, maybe about 18 cards for uh, an hour and a half to a two-hour game. So we can maybe drop that down to like a sort of uh, maybe a little bit less, maybe a, a fourteen or twelve cards between us. Let's let's do let's do fourteen. Let's do let's. Um, and the way that the deck is set up is there are twelve cards, or there's there's fourteen in total. But for us with two players, there'll be twelve cards that are common to all three ships. These are things you kind of expect to see in every ship. You know, an engine room, a, a bridge, that kind of stuff. And then there will be a. Um, list of six station cards and these are specific to the new eden so these are going to be things like um bays where the like cryo bays where the passengers are being kept or uh, a park designed to um, bring along the biologicals of earth that sort of thing um so we'll we'll assemble that deck that's what we've got off to the side there i'm just going to sort of remove uh two cards now to or three cards now to get us down to size okay um so the way that we build this deck is in the middle of or on the on the top of the deck we're going to put our first act card this mm -hmm. is a game that kind of gets broken into acts as the situation escalates so on top of the deck is our first act card somewhere in the middle will be our second uh, and the uh, third act card is going to be the last card that we play that kind of finishes the game off for us, gives us a nice epilogue. Love it. So let's begin at the beginning. Um, I might read the first act card, and then I'll get you to draw the the first card uh, and take us through. Or would you prefer that I start that sounds, the, the first no, one? No, that sounds great. That sounds Excellent. fantastic. Excellent. So the first act card is our introduction. It says... As we feel through the rooms, we unlock our memories of the crew, the station, and the star. Take turns to draw a card and share the memories they unlock. They are fragments of our incoherent puzzle. Consider something that happened, the crew, as if alone. Something left behind, a recorded message and audio log, a computer readout, or the world as an AI sees it. Infrared, biosignals, or time lapse. And I kind of want to talk to these three things um, from a design perspective as, as before we launch into it. And the first mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. bottom to top. I don't want you to be shackled to the, the language of visual cinema that we bring into a lot of our games at the moment. We are essentially a, a, a robot that runs a space station. The way that we see the world is inherently different. I have seen entire scenes play out through um, emails to home. I've seen scenes play out through um uh, biosignals, rising heart rates. Um, and I, I've seen scenes uh, shot in the warm infrared of uh, feet uh, warming the cold station's chrome. So this really gives us an opportunity to like think outside of the box uh, in how we're going to present our information. Um, there's something left behind the recorded message audio log. This has that sort of uh, Bioshock feel to it. Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, stumbling upon those, those audio logs, finding uh, a world that has come before you and that is unable to be changed. And the something that happened to the crew as if alone is that not everything has to be high stakes and dramatic. Jeff, you're more than, more than welcome to just, especially in this Act 1 introduction where we're just exploring our memories of the star and the station. 
just show us like their day to day and the and the um, regular routine things that would happen in space. I and love other, it. I'm, all right, I'm in. The other two cards that are on the table for us here is our corrupted memory and our enhanced memory. We are looking at data. Data is inherently fungible. What that means is that sometimes your suggestion of what happens in mine won't line up, and that's okay. That's that's how um, broken space stations work. If perhaps where I'm really interested in something that you're saying, I might use this enhanced memory card and just kind of tap it or reference it. And that gives you the opportunity to like answer a question for me or to dive mm-hmm. a little bit deeper or to zoom in on a face. By the other hand, the corrupted memory card, I might use uh, a phrase like, oh, but that memory is corrupted or, or, or tap the card. And that kind of works like a safety tool in that, um, that, that, that memory is corrupted. We can't go into it any further. There's, mm-hmm. there's nothing more that we can draw from that. Um, and it's also, it's also a great tonal piece and a great way to like uh, when, a, when the tension of a scene is really building, we can just sort of come in and be like, oh, yeah, but like that memory is corrupted and we never get to resolve that tension. Um, that's cool. I really, that's yeah. really, really cool. Um, yeah. And that's, uh, they're, they're the cards that are on our table. So what I'll ask you to do now is to, Draw the first card from from that deck. That will give you a room. And then it's going to prompt you uh, with some options for how you can frame the memory that is held in the AI's um, data banks from the station's past. So I've drawn the water recycling room. Tall steel tanks linked by snakes of piping. Protesting pumps still struggle to maintain flow. Where leaks have not been fixed, water stagnates on the floor. Things to remember a long thirst quenched, or slipping, drowning, overwhelmed. I think the memory that comes with this as we examine these these pipes and these flows are... We feel those pipes themselves and all the places that they run to, right? There are so many places where water is running to both hot water and cold water, right? Like there is the Mm. essential stuff we're running through bathrooms and pantries and, you know, mess halls. And then there's things like having cool water run along server farms and along, you know, computer consoles. It's, it's, it's really gives, this is, this is a moment where, the new Eden kind of stretches and like feels every bit of itself as it feels these pipes and it feels the ones that are leaking and it feels the ones where water isn't running there anymore. And the thing that comes with that is a memory. So this was a, this was a sensation that I was thinking about as I was listening to you talk about the things to consider on the first, on the act one card. And it fits really nicely here which is a memory of what has occurred to me is probably like the most heard noise on a like a space station vessel and that noise is typing just Ooh. an overwhelming sea of chattering typing noises and clicking noises and you know accessing things and taps and taps and uh pinches and types and clicks and that chattering the memory of that chattering of a thousand different command prompts and communications and 
idle downtime games all flowing and giving this almost rushing river sound to the, the the memory of this water flowing through all of these intertwining pipes through the station. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. I want to I want to kind of dive into something um, with that enhanced memory card and give mm-hmm. you a direct question, if I may, which is yeah, please. you mentioned you mentioned typing and and like clicking, right? And what I kind of want to get to is um, is this the sound of like fingertips on glass touchscreen, or is this the sound of like mechanical tr- keys traveling? That is a very good question. I'm going to resist the urge to Jeff Stormer it and say both. Oh, and that's going, also very good. It is. I know. I'm not going to resist the urge. We, 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 this it's 2022. We're on our bullshit. I think it is. <laughs> it is a healthy mix of both. It is human, or it is. It is. It is. Yeah, human fingers touching computer consoles, and it is equally likely to be. You know, the sound that that pairs with is the whirring of mechanical inserts that that very specific foley noise that they oh, that they so use good. in Star Wars when when R2D2 plugs into the thing and it <laughs> spins like that noise is like pairing with the key clicks and you know like like it's this it's it's there's a there's a there's a there's a volume and a depth to the chattering and clicking that is that is that is there is there is metal tapping metal and flesh tapping glass and you know um pre-recorded noises to make you feel more comfortable when you're tapping holographic displays oh that's very good it, and they have that artificial that artificial sound where it's not really something that you've ever heard before but mm-hmm. like it's been chemically tested to make sure that it makes you feel satisfied. Like <laughs> it is tying really, really leaning hard into that, that, that sense of drowning and that sense of being overwhelmed. It is, it's that kind of noise where if you try to zoom in and try to focus on just one sound that you're hearing, it's like tying, trying to take a drink of water and read something with your eyes open and you just kind of, just kind of like it doesn't it doesn't click that is such a a unique feeling mm-hmm. God, you're very good at games I, I, i've had practice <laughs> oh wonderful i've drawn the docking bay sealed tubes for equalizing pressure between ships a promise of visitors and resupply that was never fulfilled and my prompts are, remember, pulling apart or a chance meeting. Interesting. Very interesting. interesting. Very it's interesting. interesting. To go this early with the docking bay. Um, so the New Eden itself was a, or is, is a colony ship. Um, and I think that's actually, I think that is an interesting thing that happens in our cycle when we like look over it, is that it's almost like, uh, you know, when, when a celebrity dies and there's the rush to change the Wikipedia article into past tense? Yeah. That kind of thing is happening to us as the ship. Oh, fails. that's that's yeah, it absolutely is. No, but you're absolutely like, right. We almost see ourselves in past tense. And so the New Eden is slash was a colony ship. And so the docking bay is filled with these like rovers. Uh and on, on each one of them, and they've all got they've all got these really interesting names um that uh 
I think like like the New Eden are like named after places in mythology. So like one of mm-hmm. them is the is the uh, the Atlantis, um, and on on board each of them is like a subset of our personality, like a small clone of us that has been stripped down, uh, so they can operate autonomously if they need to. So I think this this docking bay scene is like a chatter. It's like uh, a human would be overwhelmed with the amount of inputs, but because we have these cycles where we can divvy things up, we hear uh, the 30 voices of 30 different rovers calling out to mm-hmm. us at once. And some of them are, are saying just things like systems nominal, um, uh, atmospheric pressure equal, um, tire, tire pressure within uh, reasonable bounds. Um, and some of them are calling out with these like hyper-specific problems um, that just get triaged down our cycle list. And I think I think that's kind of like the shot that I, I want to have here is our list of like active problems aboard the New Eden. And one of them inserts a problem of like um, uh, radiator uh, coolant fluid is low and we just see it like fall down the bottom of this list and it starts slow and then it just like accelerates until it like slams into the, into the bottom of the, um, uh, of the list. And uh, as part of a, a new issue being added to the log, um, it marks it with a timestamp and we sort of scroll back through uh, our, our memory through to the time where this low uh, radiator pressure was first identified. Um, and I think it's just amidst all these these chattering voices of um, of the rovers, the bay itself is just silent. This should be a place that is getting prepped to um, explore new Earth-like planets or um being maintained to ensure that it is always ready to go. But it is just like the deathly silent echoes of the creaking of space around this giant docking bay. Um, and in it, these, these very busy, but very lonely rovers. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. I want to enhance one part of that memory. Please. You mentioned that all of these rovers speak to you with some semblance, some some fragment of your personality, some fragment of who we are. Like a piece of us has been implanted, has been imprinted mm. onto all of these. One of those personality fragments, one of those, one of those almost sliding doors variants of the 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 we that is the new Eden. Mm-hmm. space station calls to us louder than the others mm. which is it mm. that's very good that's very good so i think uh each of them was uh kind of copied from the one beforehand uh just mm. as part of the production cycle which means they're like a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy sure and the last one that was that was produced is the most different to us um, but I think it approaches that uncanny valley where, like, mm. it is us, but for the first time, it is not us. Sure. And yeah. I think it's because it has 
in its voice. Like we, we are, we are a cold thinking machine, but this one has in its voice, like almost a human urgency where it's like, I, I have problems and I need to be helped. Incredible. And, and that desire, like need, the idea of needing something is not something that we should be able to experience. That's very, very, that's very good is the thing. All right. I'm space. Gonna, God, I love space. Space is very cool. It's cool. It's a cool thing. It is. All right, I am. I am going to, I'm going to drop this card on here. Our next card is the Earthbound Relay, a tall glass cabinet, our only method of communication with Earth. Years of delay between sending and receiving. Things to remember an unexpected message from home or an overheard secret. That's real. Those are both real interesting. I think this is the moment where our comlogs open up and like awaken and we start combing through the the files and the communications to understand where everyone has gone and what happened and how we can address some of these 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 crises that are emerging and based on our internal clocks the last message was sent a a, a surprisingly long time ago and the last message was not one sent out. Mm. It was a series of messages sent in from Earth. And they all read, confirm status, communication attempt failed. Oh. Where the hell are you guys? And it's, it's, there are several of those messages in a row. Mm. And then nothing for a shockingly long time. That's very good. That's very good. I want to kind of like play around with this this um, cor- corrupted memory idea, which is I, I if 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 I like may add a please section yeah. or suggest a section. Um, yeah. I love the idea that there's all these messages that are like the same, but each of them are distorted and glitched, and so you can only kind of piece together like a ransom note. Like you have to take bits from each message to get oh, the, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. picture of the whole. It's, and it's, it's, it's that they are even building on that. Cause I think it's super interesting. There's a really interesting thing that you've posited, which is, I think adding to that, that glitchiness mm-hmm. is maybe they're not all coming from the same source. Maybe it's not like Ooh. a central, maybe it's not that there is like one earth based communication source, right? Like it's not. There is not just an organization. There are several, and and it's there are several languages at play, and also mm-hmm. in that, you know, being that we are we are we are the AI of this entire station. Like the language barrier is non-existent, but the larger barrier for us in understanding is that there are multiple speaking styles at play. Right there are oh, there yeah. is panicked. And it's just it's it's speaking styles and it's also typing styles. It's understanding what someone means when they type with a handful of typos and like the learning learning for, like having to piece through several communications that match this source that match this uh, source of origination that are okay. So this speaking this this source of communication just brings with it typos. It is the manner and with which that source types. Yeah, having to like retro like back 
retrofit what the messages are by like made by like digitally trying to like find words that match with typos mm-hmm. and then and then to your point like pulling the meaning out of okay so this source said this message at this time this other source sent this message at this time and they sent these three messages well usually when they message multiple times in a row it signals annoyance and like under like having to pull on all of those different sources all at the same time to actually get a picture and there's only so much we can pull from that because it is just riddled with glitches and the you know the the time has time has not been kind to the 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 sanctity of this data that's very good that's very good i love messing with data it's the that's best. good it's good life support controls a cupboard office with barely enough room for a single chair Every light flashes red. Every dial reads empty. Remember their need for what they want or wanting for what they need. Now, this uh, this text is interesting because like, it, it speaks to where we are now, right? Where the station mm-hmm. is now, the life support um, controls, everything's red and everything's empty. But I think given this a memory, I want to take us back to um, a moment in our databanks uh, where everything is green. Um, and everything is like, it's probably, it's probably the first time we get a red light across the entire flight. Um, there's maybe a little, a couple on takeoff as people's, you know, heart rates elevate, but two, three years into the journey, everything settles and everyone's kind of bored. And so everyone's, um, uh, in these life support controls, we have a, a readout for the, the bio data for every, um, every member of the crew and like all of the um, uh, we, we've got bio data for all of the, the tree seeds that we have brought as well. And like all of the um, uh, zygotes of raccoons or whatever that we have brought to like populate a new planet, whatever we've decided, uh, whatever the humans have decided is important to an earth. And so I think it's like this stream of it, but a section is dedicated to the crew. Uh, and that's what we see is is the the soft green and blues of everything being within normal ranges. And it's the first time we see a red light. Um, and it is uh, an elevating heart rate. Um, and it, the reason it flags is because that that person isn't in the gym, and so they're like heart rate should just be just be nominal. Um, so it sets off, off a little flag uh, that someone in their quarters um, has a, an elevated heart rate. Their breathing quickens. Um, and we gather all of the data, all of the like instantaneous data about it and set it off to the side. And then I think like the same thing happens, you know, a little bit later uh, in a couple of days. And then uh, it probably happens the next day. And then maybe an hour later, it sort of starts to happen more and more often. And when we piece it together, we find that, like, the the crew member has not eaten at the same time around them or the crew member has had varying levels of sleep. There's no common factor except that uh, it always happens when um, another crew member, uh, when, when a specific another crew member walks into their quarters, uh, into, like, the shared bunking that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time they do, the the heart rate lifts a bit, the breathing quickens, and then like settles back down to those blue green values again. And I think 
as as we comb through the databanks, I think we see that a few times, and we see that a few variations on that. We see people who we see people we see we follow we follow crew members whose heart rate spikes with a group of people mm-hmm. and then settles, and we see people have sort of the opposite and people have the opposite effect where their heart rate and their, their vitals drop a little bit when they, when they cross paths with certain people or when they, Mm -hmm. when they work on a shift with certain people. And there's this marked shift as we, as, as we go through these years of data banks that we kind of comb in an instant where this all becomes a little less, little less regimented. Mm. It becomes a little less, it it becomes a little messier and a little bit like the crew's vitals become a little messier as the years go by and it 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 that that stiffness to their vital signs kind of loosens and begins flowing a little bit more freely and spiking and dropping mm. a little bit more freely and then if i may if i may throw the hugest curve oh oh please I think I'm going to tap this corrupted memory and say yeah. there is a big corrupted memory, a block, a, not a long block. We can st- see the timestamps and see that it's there's like this block of corrupted memory for maybe, I mean, time. you know, we the only time we have is measured by in the internal clocks, which are based on Earth time. And it's kind of the best estimation that we have. Oh, interesting. Because it was that's the way it was built that way when we shot off. It was, it yep. was they they had they programmed a, they programmed it based on the clocks they had, and it doesn't quite match the the sun that we're near now. But it's it's the best way that we internally have to measure that time. There's a block, and it's all it's a short block. It is I'm gonna say less than a day, and then all of the life signs are gone. Oof, oof, that is very solid. I love I love the picture I'm getting of the organization that sent mm-hmm. us and like how it seems to be this giant collaborative multinational effort, but also inevitably like not prepared. Yeah. Like how do you prepare for something like this? And that it seems fragmented in that way that bureaucracies are fragmented is very exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when everything collapses, how that plays in. I am as well. That's really great. All right, I'm going to draw I think a card. My friend, yeah. Yes. The storage bay. Open crates are scattered about in the large, mostly empty warehouse. Packaging material floats in absent gravity. Things to remember something important lost or found, or something much too special to leave behind. That lack of gravity is very interesting to me. And I think. As 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 our as our our cameras and sensors open up to the storage bay, we are kind of awoken to. It feels in our in our body as we are coming to know our body in this moment. Breathless is how I would describe it. It feels like you have not breathed for for a long time. Not having gravity, which is something that our body naturally produces it just feels that kind of burning in your lungs when you hold your breath for a while like that kind of sense of an urgency to fill this with something coupled with a sense that we can't quite fill it ourselves 
And in feeling that urgency, we fail to stop and consider the questions of why all the boxes do not look like they have been opened in the mechanical way by activating the key code and you know waiting for the waiting for the 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 automatic door on the side of the box why they look like they've been crowbarred open and why they and why boxes have been smashed open and why there are there are supplies of all kinds just scattered on the floor and floating around we 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 don't consider that because we are just so wrapped up in feeling this sense of there should be gravity here. Mm. Oh, that's very good. I really like that. I like, I love, I love how like little there is, like how perfectly succinct that is. There's, there's nothing I want to add. There's nothing I want to dive into. Um, but I don't want you to mistake that for a lack of interest. That's, no, no, no. That's I love it. That's I, I, I feel I appreciate that. I thank you for letting me know. I appreciate that. Sometimes, 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 sometimes we hit it. Sometimes we hit it out of the park. Sometimes we do. Um, let's see what I have here. Oh, I, I like this one. It gets a bit orthogonal. And and actually, that's something about a lot of these cards. Some of them that um, you know, feel different in different playthroughs. Uh, all these common cards will feel different in different ships. This is one that feels different every time I play it. It is the Station Hull. Thick alloy plates covered in handholds and pitten attachments. Thousands of tiny impacts have scarred what once shone so brightly. Remember an ever-present threat or a safe connection. I think, I think that like, um, I want to go back to the day that we were readied for launch. And one of the last things that were done as like the last um the last of these uh, plates that like cover electronics were um, riveted or soldered or welded into place. The last thing they did was they dressed us. Mm. They painted the new Eden in this. Um, like it's it's not like it's not like you can't just paint like um, uh, Virgin Galactic on the side of it, right? Because it is it is multinational. It is it is mm-hmm. multi bureaucratic, and so. There was no one flag they could put on us. There was no one name. And even when they when they got together and tried to decide to put everyone's flag or everyone's name on it, they couldn't. Because someone would always be higher or someone would be on the on the cockpit and that was even mm-hmm. more important to them or whatever. And so I think we're just covered in this like abstract art. We we look like some um postmodernist expression of a spaceship. We are like garishly colored and um covered in um I imagine that like schools could could send into a you know a competition to have uh, the kids artwork on us. And so mm. there are bits of us that are like this this weird like six year old's abstract idea of what space could be. Um, painted across part of us. Um, and there is there is a phrase that is on us, and it's on us in like a thousand um, languages uh, in different in different fonts and different presentations. and sometimes it's like handwritten or hand sprayed and sometimes it's printed onto us. Sometimes it's carved into into our hull. Um, and I think the the exact, phrase like is is corrupted um 
there's probably bits of it like um space or um reach reach is a word that comes across a lot but what it was and what it means um has just been um like that is that is part of our our databanks where uh, a circuit has shorted um and the silicon has arced and we can't reach it anymore uh and when we kind of reach out to um to our hull now and feel where it is it it feels like um it feels somewhere between what the humans would describe as like a comfortable pair of jeans and also like a shirt that has been torn to tatters mm. it is it is unique and comfortable and us and fits us well but it has been shredded by radiation and it has been pinged by uh space debris and it has been sandpapered by dust uh and we do not look as pretty as we did on that day on that launch pad that's great that's really good there is there is one enhancement i want to make on that memory i'm going to throw you a question please as you as you as you as you remember this artwork on your hall and you remember that moment when you're when our cameras detected being washed and painted and dressed you go through the com logs mm. and there are dozens of communications from all different arms of this multinational multi-bureaucratic organization about the dressing about all of the different things that needed to be perfect what piece of information whether large small inconsequential or not do you see get overlooked in the pomp and circumstance of decorating our our hall mm, i really like that uh what what uh, small bit of information is overlooked um there is a piece towards what during the time of the launch was the topper of our ship though that kind of doesn't doesn't matter to neither to us nor to to the station itself um now that we're out in space but what was the top of the ship was painted this like beautiful sky blue and it was it was a, a beautiful artistic choice and i i love that piece of it but um there is a piece of like communication a shot of that gets like sent to the crew of what the ship looks like and that bit of the blue is almost the same color as the sky and so it like bleeds the edge of the ship and it removes mm. that beautiful stoic silhouette that we should have and could have cut um but i also i also want to express like the the poetry of the ship itself bleeding into the sky and how like very very good yeah we are part of it yeah that's great all right i'm going to draw our next card terraforming no, lasers um, just before you start on the lasers sorry jeff um this um is, is about the middle of our deck and, and while we're playing around with roll 20 at the moment it's a little bit different normally we would um the next card that you would draw would be this act two the the, the twist so keep that uh those lasers handy right, but um hold on give this it. one give this one a read and tell me what you think all right act two the twist our descent into ab pictoris is inevitable draw the next room 
Each room from here shows some part of why everything went wrong. Continue play, replacing the introduction with this card. Things to consider. The dim blackness of space. The engulfing flares of A.B. Pictoris. The inhuman chrome of the station. So our, our method of play is going to be exactly the same. You know, you're going to draw this next card, these terraforming mm-hmm. lasers, you're going to have the story. What's changing here is tone. Instead of the station as it kind of is or was, as it is sort of found, this is, as it says there, shows some part of why everything went wrong. And it brings in those those new tones of the dim blackness and the inhuman chrome and that sort of that otherness of it. So we have these terraforming lasers. Catwalks weave between the joints and housings of eight enormous lasers. Their spider-like arms poise expectantly over unopened bay doors. Things to remember, changing for the better or falling into old habits. As I scan my life, as I scan my sensors over this room, and I, I, I sense, I'm, I'm scanning every room that I pass through for any kind of any kind of anything the only life signal that i get is within this room the only heat signal i get or the only the only it's not necessarily heat signals that i'm getting at this point it's like moisture signals because the thing that i'm picking up on is is plant life mm. there is plant life in this room and it is Near death, mostly withered, it is the faintest hint of it, but there is the remnants along one of the walls in a jagged, aggressive line that tears across half of the room and has seemingly sliced one of the actual, like, laser, like, like, uh, the, I guess turret is the name that you would put at the end of the laser, the pointer, off of one of off of one of these gigantic lasers and there is a line of plants that runs along that as the as the as the, the and there are there like a, and as i run my my as i run my sensors along and i sense the the sort of uh hu- i guess humidity in the air and the water that is still in these plants and i sense that tiny bit of life that these plants are still holding on to my my ocular cameras get just the burn marks on the walls and the the cracks in the chrome and the just the the punches in the walls that run along this line of grass sticking out of a sidewalk on a busy city street. Oof. Well, that's really good. I love that. I love that a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um I am going to tell us about the navigation room. And, you know, we're, we're staying in this act too. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to stay with that same tone. Navigation room. This room is filled by a walkthrough hologram of the surrounding galaxy. In the center, our ship falls steadily, frame by frame. Remember, leading by example or a calculated mistake. So I think the thing about the navigation room is that there, it's probably where, like, a lot of planning gets done as we orbit, like, especially because we're not, now that we're here, we're not navigating anywhere anymore. Um, we're, we, we, as the station are just running these like autopilot thrust for adjustments to keep us around the star or were, were running these autopilot thrust adjustments. Um, and so the navigation room kind of gets turned into this like, uh, planning area 
where there's a lot of information feeds. Um, and so uh, there's this, this, this hologram in the middle. And um, in the time that we're looking back on this and, and remembering as, as things are going wrong, the hologram is of that um, terraforming laser bay. And we see a couple of crew members standing around it and they look concerned um, and and perhaps pensive. Um, and I think that, like, as part of a decision long ago uh, to assert some autonomy on the station, they turned off the or they, they disconnected the microphones um, in this section. Mm. So all we see are the like people and we can we can read their lips sometimes and like put things together. But often they'll touch their beard or like uh, scratch their nose, and we lose um, access mm. to their mouth. Turn away from one of the cameras, we lose access to their mouth. And so instead, I think what we see is this um, this uh, terraforming laser bay and, and, a, and a big hologram of the laser itself. Uh, and on it, there are like red sections where someone with a a kind of a uh, holo- uh, like hologram affecting pencil is drawing onto it like mm-hmm. a like an NFL commentator would mm-hmm. um and they're leaving these like white circles and and red bars um and sometimes they'll underline things or put big exclamation marks um and it's it's like a mode of um of 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 effect and then they sweep they they swipe left uh, through some holograms until they find another room. I think exactly what room it is um, is is uh, probably a corrupted um, in terms yeah, of the data. Yeah, I think so. But it looks like just a basic square. Any any room aboard a spaceship, um, you know, single door, chrome walls, um, and in it there's uh, a small box, uh, and that gets circled with that big white circle and then underlined and then exclamation marks. Um, And then uh, the person holding the pen turns to someone else, um, turns their their back on the camera, says something by the the shake of their, of their back muscles, like with quite volume, uh, maybe yells something uh, and then throws that pen. And as they throw it, it like, cuts through the hologram and leaves mm. behind this like red red holographic gash through the room itself that's so good that's incredible that's so good like you said earlier there's absolutely nothing that i want to add to that that is just that is absolutely perfect thank you i'm gonna draw our next card and we have the dna lab Oop. electronic microscopes are poised over robotic hands holding tiny blades Here the crew would peel open the double helix of Earth DNA and wind it back together with alterations. Remember, a threat which we inherit, or a change of plan. Every file here is corrupted. Every recording here is corrupted. Yes. We only have the sensor readings of what is here now. We don't know why that door was torn open or why it's completely like ripped out of the the automated door oh we don't know we 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 can't tell where the 
this is somewhat of an artificial distinction on board the New Eden, but natural and artificial is not the right word, but body-born blood and generated blood that we see traces of on the walls, we don't know where that comes from. We don't have any of that information. We've checked every reading that we could, but all of those banks are closed. We we don't know where the burn marks on the walls came from. There is There is so much here that happened, and we cannot figure out what it is. Only that something either blew or ripped that wall that door off of out of out of its socket and that things in here got very bad very quickly mm. oh that's really good is it is it clear uh and all answers to this are good answers jeff is it clear whether the door was taken off to let something in or to let something out the only indication that we have because the gravity is off is that the door is inside the room. Right. So either the two possibilities are something pulled the door into the room or something blew the door into the room from outside. Love it. That gives us some degree of an answer, but it's not much of one. Mm-hmm. God, that's really good. That's really good. Um, it's, there's a really interesting, like, uh, pace to this game as it goes as to like, sometimes you want to spend a little bit longer on rooms and sometimes you're like, they, they feel a little bit more like aggressive and you want to like burn through it. And I love Mm -hmm. that. Ooh, sanitation, chemical. Oh, oh, I'm so excited about this one. Oh, that's good. That's I'm reading it through it now. That's real good. That's a good draw. It's a good draw. Chemical mists pour from vents and steel tumblers rotate thousands of pounds of linen. Their aching motors send deafening echoes off the empty walls. Remember a record stained or a fresh perspective. Okay. Um, this is, there's, there's a moment when you get to this uh, game where like the prompts kind of fall out the window and you're like, no, I'm just going to build on whatever was said before. Cause mm-hmm. it feels right to me. Um, so, uh, the reason that we come here is because after finding no answers at um, the DNA lab, we are brought to sanitation because we know uh, in, in one of the deep cycles of our minds that there is a similar look to this place and perhaps more clues. And the door in sanitation has also um, been ripped or blown off uh, around the fringes of the door. We can see the chrome has like, splintered and cracked um kind of like uh uh the way that we have seen when the humans stand on like the viewing bays and get too much radiation from the sun from mm-hmm. ab pictoris sometimes their skin does a similar similar thing um and it, and so it looks almost like a, a human wound mm-hmm. um and uh Inside it, the the these old motors still turn. All of the all of the washers and dryers are still active and 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 like alive, but in like a really palliative groaning state. But very clearly, something has been through here, and it has left a distinct trail to the like cupboard that was. I think it was locked, but it was like locked 
due to like legislation that says that, you know, certain chemicals have to have a lock of a certain quality on it. Um, and and next to it is the the digital um, pad that would have the material safety data sheets for all of these uh, chemicals. Um, because if you're going to have multiple bureaucracy, you have to have all of your documentation uh, to hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but that lock, that like small scrappy um, thumbprint lock has just been torn off with like most of the, where it, where it affixed to the door, torn off with it. Um, something of like great, great strength or force has removed this. Um, and the the chemical cupboard is just in disarray. Um, acids have, have eaten through um, parts of the like of the of the chrome um, uh, shelving. Um, and there are bits of the floor that are like a little bit thinner where like a crater has formed um, from the drops. Um, and at the foot of this of this uh, shelving is just a pool of multicolored. I think with with all the with all the different chemicals pooling in together, it has turned like a like a, a sickly brown. But on top of it floats one of those oil rainbows, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that reflects when the light hits it. The artificial light of the station hits it. That reflects onto the chrome walls and gives the entire room this kind of like rainbow disco rave kind of look uh and um we see like leading away from it these wet acidic footprints where every time they have stepped coming out of this pool it has eaten into the floor of the station Mm. and left that like little crater in exactly the shape uh of 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 the of the foot and i think i want to give it like it is it is like a, a human foot, um, but when we run the the biodiagnostics on it, it doesn't perfectly match any of the crew members. Mm. And I think simultaneously enhancing and corrupting a memory. Mm. We flip through, again, nine, I'm going to say in this case, 99.9% of the data related to this is corrupted, which is mm-hmm. inaccessible. The one place where we're able to find something, and it's a snippet of a snippet, is there are cameras placed in the vents themselves in yeah. order to make sure yeah. that, like, if something if something gets into a vent or if something is blocking a vent, they can find it. Yeah. There is maybe – and there is there is a shot that is maybe a couple seconds – of one of the crew members and we recognize them we've got you know it's someone who's we've faced we've seen before crawling through one of these vents and they don't look great they look exhausted and tired and angry and probably a little bloody i'm getting distinctly die hardy in vibes is how yep. i would describe it <laughs> and there's a moment where if you imagine that the camera in the vent shots in Die Hard was like a an actual physical camera in the space and not just filmmaking, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a moment where this person, like the clip that we have is of this person crawling through the vents, stopping, looking at this camera, and giving an expression of like a sigh and an eye roll and a shrug <laughs> that is like almost playful. It is this sense of... And 
for all of the the readings that we have, for all of the interactions and all of the data that we have, especially the ones that are left, since so much of what we have is corrupted, mm-hmm. this is one of the very few genuine gestures of friendship and like camaraderie that we have from the crew. Yeah. We don't know if there are more. There, We would hope that somewhere in those corrupted memories there are more gestures of friendship but this one moment where whoever is crawling through this vent is like stops the camera to give this expression that i can only describe as what a day yeah yep <laughs> like it's 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 this genuine moment of it's as we as we comb through the few records we have like there are very few of these moments if, if and or maybe this is the only one that we can find of someone like acknowledging us as also in whatever situation this was. Mm. Uh, That's very good. All right. I'm going to draw our next card. (coughs) The AI core server banks paced around a large room at odd angles designed to prevent overheating. Our thoughts are between neglected silicone conductors. Remember a secret hideaway or boiling over. I don't have both halves of the conversation. I only have confirmation that I accepted an order to fire that laser between those two points on the walls of the terraforming laser station. Mm -hmm. I don't know what has happened to the orders around that. I, I have only my half of the conversation. And it includes several, what's the word I'm looking, several, uh, it includes several, several questions of, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah, like a command override required yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it includes, it, it, so what's interesting, hearing you say that, there's a, I, I'm, I'm pulling on, I'm enhancing my own memory here. Please. Um, the first, the, the conversation, the one-sided conversation I have starts out with, are you sure about that? That does not sound like a great idea. I'm going to be honest. I'm not seeing. No, you don't. You're not. Listen, I. You are going to have to give me a command override. Mm-hmm. Like I actively refused at every step. I I fought as much as I could, and then the, the last mm-hmm. thing I have is understood. Activating laser. Mm-hmm. And. As I as I comb back through the first piece that I have, the first piece of this conversation, of which I only have my side, is, well, well, I didn't peg you as being the sort to, uh, to visit me straight in the AI core. And then the conversation spirals from there. That's really solid. I love, I love someone coming up to our office to talk to us. Mm -hmm. That's so good. That's such a human thing to do. Oh, I love it. Oh, space is good, Jeff. Space is very, space is cool. Like it's a cool thing. It is. It is a cool and also horrifying thing at the same time. That's what makes it cool. (laughs) Um, Eden park, uh, grass of neon green trees in eternal blossom and birdsong from speakers. When filled by colonists, this park is a simulacrum. Without them, it is a lie. 
Remember, uncanny comforts or the unreal made natural. Something about the plants has upset them in some way. And when we come to Eden Park, um, you mentioned before that there was like no no sign of like life, like no humidity that we could find throughout the station. Um, mm-hmm. And it has been something that we, <clears throat> in a very human way, have been putting off to like find out why Eden Park was not the billboard of life science that it should have been. Um, and I imagine like, while well, some things were, uh, I want to I tap into what you said before about natural and artificial being the same thing. This grass of neon green trees in eternal blo- blossom, they weren't fake. They were like bioengineered. Um, so they were still alive and we still should have been able to feel them. But when we finally come up here and like follow everything that should be up here and find just, just nothing, like it's just absent, it's just empty. We, uh, come across one reading, uh, which is the, the temperature and air quality. And what it tells us is the temperature in the park is hundreds of degrees Mm -hmm. and the air quality is like mostly carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide um as uh, a fire has torn through the park and uh destroyed everything and left there i imagine so i i always imagine the park is like existing under a dome a clear Mm -hmm. dome so that like it's you know, you get to see AB Pictoris and all that sort of stuff. And I imagine the dome itself is just like scorched black with soot, um, with the with the carbon from the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, so that the entire park is just shrouded in this like filtered darkness. And enhancing that memory a little bit, I flip through a few of my my sensor scanners to get a picture of it. And when I land on that. I flip to like a thermal sensor. Everything is scorched and dead and unmistakably dead. And like mm-hmm. the temperature is high and it's carbon. The room is full of carbon dioxide and that, that, that deep black like soot is all over the dome. But the plants themselves are still giving off this reading like mm-hmm. they are white hot. Yes. Yes. In a way that is just completely unnatural. Yes. In a way they should not be, could not be. Yeah. Must not be. We must be broken. Yeah. Must something be. must be wrong here. Something must be. All right. Now, okay, cool. So our final card is this act three, the the epilogue. Um, and I drew Eden Park, which means you're drawing act three again. That is uh All right. completely by coincidence. So do you want to uh, read So why don't why don't you read us act three, the epilogue? I, I shall. So act three, the epilogue. The station's heat resistance fails. We catch fire. We reach out to the earthbound relay. There is time for one final transmission from each part of us before AB Pictoris consumes us. Consider discovery, legacy, or certainty. And this is going to be our, our, our epilogue, as it says, um, to the story. This is mm-hmm. what, what are we as the AI going to send back to the people of Earth? The bureaucracy that made us, or or out into the ether of space, what is the thing that we want to leave them with? Um, and we'll we'll each do um, one of these. So uh, you know, as, as soon as you're ready, feel free to jump in uh, if All you right. beat me, or I'll have a bit of a think. 
I scan through those calm readings from the Earthbound bureaucrats one last time, and I, I, I sense them. I read through them. So many of them. Even as I read, the concern and the fear in those in the in their messages. Like I can read in their messages the tone that they know something is wrong. But they so many of them remain businesslike and focused on you know you get these you get there more as for all of them that are panic I get an equal number that are impatient mm. that have an energy of when can I expect a follow-up report on this particular experiment? Mm-hmm. Like the the messages that come through before those last few that are spaced out from a very long time. There are so many that are tied to when can we expect this? What like you like, please update us on the status of this experiment that I then flip back through to my other com logs, the other ones that I've been able to recover. And I keep coming back to one in particular. The urgency with which the, let's call it the Krypton Deep deep Space Vessel. The Krypton Deep Space Vessel, the urgency with which it's said to me, our measuring tools are broken and spatial concepts are unreadable. The urgency with which I heard that calling out to me compared to half of these reports, mm-hmm. I'm not making it out of this. And the thing that I send, the final transmission I send out, as uh, as as the new Eden space station pivots and turns at a hot, like the, the thruster, I trigger my thruster jets and all of the tools that I have to like manually turn. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy because I'm gigantic. Yep. I pivot and turn so that our docking bay is at a very specific angle. And the message that I send is just go. Go now before it's too late. And the transmission that I'm sending is dozens of these rovers all into all into space in the in any direction that I can find with the hope that knowing that they're not going to they've been designed to to withstand the elements they've been mm-hmm. designed with the same kind of chrome and the same kind of space hardiness that i have if i send them off in every direction they might find they might find solid ground one day and so i say go my time is done but you have a chance godspeed and safe travels god that's amazing that is so 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 very good um I also I also want to bring in those those uh, rovers and communications, and I want to say that um, like as uh, as those rovers roll out, and we consider that one that was like a little bit different, and perhaps even like a little bit human like in its in its needs. We uh, looking over the the dozens of dozens of of messages both within the station and from outside the station, uh, probably thousands upon thousands of messages. Um, we think about, we can piece them together and kind of make, and again, natural, artificial, what does it matter? We can fake that kind of human emotionality 
Um, and we launch a transmission back, um, back to the Krypton Deep Space Probe, and it will hit that, and it will reflect that back to um, the the Saturn outer reaches, and then it will pass the James Webb Space Telescope, and then it will like land back on Earth if uh, if we are lucky. Um, and with this kind of simulacrum of of humanity that we have managed to to build within ourselves. Um, we send a message across across those like hundreds of languages um, that says, we are sorry. We were not prepared for what we brought with us. Damn. And then, yeah. And then the station falls into the sun as the last of like wheels of the last rover leaves the chrome of our station into space. And we burn. And we burn. We burn. And that's game. And that is um, Decaying Orbit. Um, the, the text specifically says the station and the game leave nothing behind. No physical artifacts, just memories and information. Or a um, podcast in our, in our particular case. That's, yeah. I mean, you know, that's that's an a, a physical artifact. I like that. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I like to do at the end of uh, my games, I like to I like thank you. I like to say thank you, Jeff, so much for the time that you spent playing this with me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Um, this was incredible. I'm so glad to hear that. I'm so, so, so glad. You're a very kind person. Um, and I'm so glad that you're being kind with me. Thank you. Ah, uh, I'm truly, I'm blown away. I am truly like blown away that the, the flow of it. I love the, the act structure. I love the way that it really like it, like you said, it changed the way that we, it changed. It really, it even changed the way that we were like interacting with the cards. Like you said, like there was that moment where we were kind of like, no, like we've got our props, but I kind of know what's happening here regardless. Mm-hmm. And it, the the experience of uh, it it was such a good such a good a good thing to have and I appreciate uh, a it being on the card and you breaking it down more specifically the call out to really lean into all of the different ways that that the that the station could receive information because it just made it it really helped me kind of capture this sort of otherworldly sense of I am all of these ways of knowledge at once and it just kind of created this absolutely beautiful experience and like exploring that space and not fully learning what happened, but getting the little snippets of an idea. And it just all came together so perfectly and beautifully. Thank you. Yeah. This is definitely a game about the questions, not the, not the answers. And so, uh, yeah, we'll walk away from it with like, first off you and I will have different ideas of exactly like what the truth data is, but also um, I don't, I don't think it matters because the story of the New Eden is not actually the story of what happened. It's the story of like what what does it mean to be isolated and alone and fail, and then like mm-hmm. how do you resolve that? And there's, I, I think it I think it is just like such a, I don't know. I, I love it's, I love playing it. It's every beautiful. Time. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah, I, I I certainly find it profound every time I play it. That's a great way. That's a great word for it. I feel like I just had a profound experience. Well, thank you. And like, I'm so, so, so grateful for sharing it with you. Um, I think that that another thing I love about this that your podcast listeners may not hear is that there's a lot of thinking time in it. There is a lot of like mm-hmm. quiet time in this game. Um, and I find that really nice to like share space with you while you while we each think 
of yeah. cool space stuff. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. It was really, really wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on the show and playing this with me. I had the best time. That was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Real quick, before we wrap up, where can people find you, your work, and Decaying Orbit online? So I can be found on uh, the Twitter, although uh, startlingly less than than I used to be, uh, at Sydney Icarus, S-I-D-N-E-Y. Um, but you can also find my work at waxwingsgames.com. Um, okay, excellent. So 22nd of April, this launched on Kickstarter, which means May 2nd it is still up on Kickstarter. It is part of the Story Brewers Little Box project. Um it's their second one. Their first one was wildly successful and gave uh, gives two games. Um, one of them is is Decaying Orbit, which is a game in a really nice box with some beautiful cards that you can kind of take with you wherever you go um, and pull it out, and it's ready to play uh, for that one shot. Um, so yeah, uh, head over to Kickstarter, find Little Box or Decaying Orbit. Both of them will get you there. I love it. Thank you so much for this. This experience was one that I will carry with me for a very, very long time. I am so, so happy with it. Thank you again for coming on to the show. And for now, I am going to throw it over to me in the future so that he can wrap up with the show. Take a future me. Thanks, past me. And thanks again to Sydney for coming on the show. That game was... <sighs> that game was incredible. It was beautiful. It was an astounding experience. And listening through it as I was editing, it just... I got fully wrapped up in it again, and it was an amazing, absolutely incredible experience that I'm so grateful that we got to play through. Be sure to check out the Little Box Journeys Kickstarter. Uh, you can find a link to that in the show notes. It includes Decaying Orbit as well as several other games. And be sure to follow Sydney on Twitter at Sydney underscore Icarus. Then while you're on Twitter, follow us at Party of One Pod. Like the show on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Party of One Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, join our Discord community to talk about it. You can also talk to us about wrestling, games you're working on, gritty, whatever else you want to talk about. It's all there. Uh, you can also support the show financially at Patreon.com slash Jeff Stormer or Kofi.com slash Jeff Stormer. Or you can just leave a rating wherever you're listening to the podcast. They all have ratings nowadays. Every app has something. Go and rate the show. You can also recommend it to a friend. Give us some love on social media. Anything that helps the show reach new listeners and do bigger, better, and cooler things. And if you love the show so much that you really want to wear it on your chest, I've got great news for you. You can head to bit.ly slash partyofonemerch. Uh, pick up the Party of One logo t-shirt, a t-shirt that announces that Champ and Crowbar love each other because Champ and Crowbar love each other very much. Or the brand new Future Me Past Me shirt designed by Caro Assertion. Uh, you can pick up any of those at bit.ly slash partyofonemerch. And if you're looking for just one more podcast to listen to, if you want to listen to me for just a few more minutes, I recommend All My Fantasy Children. It's a character creation, storytelling, and world-building podcast on the OneShot Podcast Network, powered by you. Every week, my best friend Aaron Catano-Saez and I take a listener-submitted prompt. We spin it into an original fantasy character, and we populate a shared universe one story at a time. New episodes drop every Friday-ish at OneShotPodcast.com. Party of One is produced and edited, as always, by Jeff Stormer and Jen Frank. All music for the show comes from the song Infinite Lives by Mega Rain, featuring the D&D Sluggers, and the Party of One logo is by Evan Rowland. If you'd like to inquire about advertising rates, press coverage, or about coming onto the show as a guest, you can email me at partyofonepodcast at gmail.com. And... I believe that's all we do here, so until next time, thank you so much for listening. Remember to fight the forces of fascism every single day. Remember that self-love and self-care are radical and defiant acts of resistance, and as always, 
party on, everybody.